I was thinking, what can I, what can I call this? I think on my, on my computer, I, I named it Weathering Life Storms, but it's really more about that. I could call it identities, who you are in Christ, being who you are, how do you come out of storms, knowing your identity. I, they could be, so we're just going to go with it. Maybe by the time I get done, we'll have a title for it. Okay, how about that? Is that good? Everybody good? We're good? Okay. Can we just be real? All right. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about, okay, so I, I wrote down this to start out. What do I see and what do I see in the mirror when no one is defining me? When no one's telling me who I am, right? When my health clients aren't telling me how great of a health coach I am. When my kids very rarely tell me how great of a mom I am. When they want something, we, I hear that, but, right? When my church people aren't saying what a great pastor I am. When... My mom is not telling me what a great daughter I am. Who am I? Right? When I look in the mirror, who's defining me when, at the very core of it? And if we're honest, many, many, many times, what defines us in the moment is the circumstance of the moment. Right? And so we get into, okay, I'm just going to say we, me. I get into these pity parties, and I'm like feeling sorry for myself. And, and you know, I posted, if you saw my post on Facebook yesterday, Real and Raw and Authentic. But at the same time, I just needed people to know that pastors carry a heavy weight and we need prayer. And honestly, when we got out to the campground, we got everything set up. We sat on the picnic table looking out the water. And, and pastor looks at me and says this, I can literally feel the prayers. Like literally, I can feel people praying for me right now. Guys, I don't just happen unless people are really praying for you right now, right? And so... I wasn't even sorry I put that post up. It was a very emotional post when I put it up, but I wasn't sorry because what happened was we were surrounded by the prayer of the saints, right? But who's defining us when life circumstances are happening? We talk to ourselves more than we talk to anyone else. Pastor and I laugh and say, I need an expert opinion, so I'm going to talk to myself. <laughs> we, I laugh about that because if he'll come in my office and I'm saying, like, I'm out loud, thinking out loud, you know, and he's like, what are you, who are you talking to? I'm like, me, he's like, you need an expert opinion? Yes, <laughs> I'm talking to myself, right? But we talk to ourselves, whether out loud or in our mind, we talk to ourselves more than we talk to anyone else. And so what are we saying to ourselves? It matters what you say. So 2 Corinthians, I'm going to start there, and I, I sent them all to Brother Donald ahead of time, so hopefully we can get up on screen. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So when we th think about that, we are being transformed to look like God, or at least we should be being transformed to look like God, right? And then 2 Corinthians, I'm going to just jump to this one real quick too. 5 and 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And I thought this was interesting. The, the word new in there, the new creation has come. The word new is a prototype, meaning you are the very first creature ever made in the likeness and image of God. So when you look like Jesus, it's like looking in the mirror and seeing him. Because we were made in his image, and he's reflecting back to you the image that you were made in. But part of the challenge is anything that threatens to re-identify God will also re-identify us. So what does it mean to, uh, to weather life storms? Because this is what it means. The Bible tells us that we, we are like with unveiled faces beholding his image, right? 
and match that image is in us because we're a new creation. And the new is a prototype of we were his first creatures made in his likeness and his image. So therefore, and when I'm talking about looking in the mirror, I'm talking about not, not physically as much as, as symbolically, spiritually. We're looking in that mirror, and we, what we see should see Jesus. So as I'm thinking about this today, I'm like, well, I did what Jesus did. I went to the water, and I got alone. So that was part of it, right? But what Jesus didn't do was stay there alone. He got with the Father and got the next direction, right, instead of coming out. And so we have to, when we go through life storms, when we're weathering, the, weathering these storms, we got to say, does the image of what happened, does, does the circumstances of what happened change my image of who God is? Does it re-identify who God is to me? Because when that happens, what really happens is it re-identifies us. And, guys, we've seen it so many times with Christians when, something happens, you know, they leave the faith, they leave God. And it's because they, in their mind, re-identify God. So how can we learn from this? How can we not let, how can we become not re-identified to not re-identify God? One of the challenges when we weather a storm of life, especially like what we've been through in this community this last month, it does affect God's identity. Does it affect God's identity in us? In other words, do I see God different? Whenever I re-identify God in a negative way, I'm also re-identifying identifying me, because I am mirroring the image of God. So when we go through life storms or situations, and we begin to think, where is God? Does he even care? God, you could have stopped this from happening. God, you, cho- you chose to let this happen. What happens is, the next storm that comes that comes along, because you do realize there will be more storms in life, right? We realize that we reduced our faith in God to something that we can explain control or anticipate what well, he didn't come through for us that, that last time so I'm not going to have as much faith this time because we are now controlling how God should respond understand this whenever I reduce God I actually reduce me I believe the cry for identity is at the root of so much pain and dysfunction when I see what when I see when I look in the mirror when no one else is identifying me for me is crucial to me let me say that again because I had to really think about that today What I see when I look in the mirror, symbolically see myself, when no one else is defining me, for me is crucial to me. When no one else is telling me who I am, when life happens and all of a sudden I'm trying to redefine who I am during this storm, what I see is crucial to me. Who's identifying me for me is crucial, right? And I have to know who I am. You know, there's that, that old song we used to sing, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sifting sand. And so at the very base of who I am, when life happens, I have to say, God, I'm, the foundation is set. And here's who I am. Because the goal is to see Christ through me. Not for anybody else first, but for me first. I have to see Christ in me for me. Does that make sense? The community is going to see what I see. And the truth is, the community is going to believe who I tell them I am, right? So um, I'm, I'm working with my health coaches, and I tell them this. You know, sometimes, guys, as a health coach, one of the things you, you do is that you don't show up looking like a health coach. You know, and I'm not saying we should be something we're not, but if you're going to proclaim that you're a health coach, number one, you need to look like a health coach. Number two, you need to keep your body under subjection to looking like a health coach, right? You need to have self-control. So I'm, I'm teaching my clients this. I mean, my coaches this, right? 
But it's the same thing if I'm talking spiritually. If we're going to say we're a Christian and we're going to proclaim to be a Christian, we've got to show up looking like a Christian. We've got to show up acting like a Christian. And you know what that doesn't mean? We have all the answers. It means sometimes we have to take our camper and get away to the water so we can get alone with God and say, okay, tell me again who I am because I forgot. Because this just happened and I forgot who I am. And just for a moment, I don't need Sister Garland telling me who I am, although she probably would tell me something good, I hope. (laughs) Right? But I don't need anybody else speaking into my life telling me who I am. As a matter of fact, the person who speaks into my life the most is me. So I need to tell myself who I am. So what I need to always make sure I do is that my image of myself is reflecting Christ. And guess who's going to be the first one to notice that? Me. (laughs) Right? I'm going to be the first one to notice that. Okay. So Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I always smile when I read that scripture because when I was growing up and I was a CA, yes, I'm not old. Back in the day, there were CAs called Christ Ambassadors. That's what the youth group was called, the Wisdom Wisdom Guys. I was a CA. And Clint Jett was my youth pastor. He named our youth group Transformers. And that was our scripture. And I honestly think that was before Transformers came out. But so anyway. (laughs) <laughs> but we were, so every time I read the scripture, I just smile because I was, that was just in, ingrained in me that we were transformers. We're called to tr- be transformed, right? And so and, and you know what transformers are? That's, that's you can go out looking like one thing and then you transform into something totally different. And it's the same thing, right? It's the same piece of whatever and you transformed into something different. And so as Chantel, God is transforming me to not be conformed, but to be transformed. How? By the renewing of our mind. Okay, so that's what we're talking about here, right? You could name this, it's all about your mind. Okay, anyway. It's, it's so hard to change our life, our circumstances. But if we change our mind, he will change everything. Listen to that. It's hard. It's really, there are some things that are out of our control. There are some things that happened this last month that I would do anything in my power to change. Anything. But I can't change it. But I... But what I can change is right here. I can change how I think so that I can show up looking like Christ to me first and then to the world second, right? Because we don't want to be hypocrites. Listen, if you try to show up and look like Christ and you're not really Christ, trust me, that mirror does not lie, right? Speaking of that, have you ever looked in a mirror that's the magnified mirror? I hate that thing. (laughs) It shows everything, right? I think that's how it is with with Jesus. If he's not really in you and you try to act like you're him, it's going to be a magnified mirror. We need to be full of Jesus so that it doesn't matter how magnified they see our life. What they see is Jesus and the love of Jesus. I really do believe that we're doing this. I'm just telling you, I was just struggling with this this week, right? Not that I didn't want to be Jesus, but I didn't know how. I didn't know. I didn't. My identity was a little bit shaken. Not my foundation. My identity was a little bit shaken. I think God was just really trying to help me say, called you to be a teacher. Do what I've called you to do. Next week, we're going to talk about good works, and then the next week, we're going to talk about we become what we do and see. So, it's probably a very important message. Anyway, um, the question is, are you controlling your thoughts? Are they controlling you? The challenge for many of us is that we haven't trained our brains. We live in a lot of, we live in a lot of times as prisoners of our thoughts. You know, we can actually train, so, okay, this is going to be way off the subject, but 
So I just went to this, um, my, my health, my Optavia conference in Phoenix a couple weeks ago, remember? And so they had this a speaker, a motivational speaker come in, because that's what they do at these conferences. And so this guy has really just overcome a lot in life. Um, I, he believes in God. I don't know if I would say he's a Christian, but he, he does believe in God because he was healed of a brain tumor. So there's some things, that, you know, he wasn't, he definitely wasn't there to give a Christian speech, but he was very motivational. And his whole speech is about, his whole motivation was about this. It doesn't matter what comes your way in life, you can live on a winning streak. Because it could always be worse. So, if you, and, and he talks about something about the something, something in your brain. But basically he says this. You can train your brain to see what you want to see. For example, have you ever went caught, like, I think I'm going to buy this kind of car. Robin, we're just talking about that. I, I want a red car bet. Let's just say that. Well, I'll tell you that when Hunter was looking for a black Mustang, actually he was looking for a white Mustang. He ended up with a black one, but he was looking for a white one. Do you know how many white Mustangs we saw on the street all of a sudden? I'm like, everybody has a white Mustang. Oh, my gosh, right? Um, when Mo got his white truck, I was like, I don't even know how many people have a white truck. Everybody has a white truck. Because we train our brain to see what we think. Listen, so, so this guy's whole thing was about that, like, if you look for winning situations in your life, you're going to find them. If you look for the blessings, you're going to find them. You know? So so his whole thing was like, you know, I go to Starbucks and get a coffee, and um, he, ordered his, he orders his coffee, like a $250 coffee at Starbucks. He just orders it by, like, I'll take a latte with two shots. It was like, he doesn't order the, like, whatever it is. He just orders, and it's like $1.50. And he's like, I want a winning streak. Like, it's a dollar less, you know? But what he says was he just decided to train his thoughts to look for the good in everything. And when you start doing that, you start seeing that. Well, so maybe you can call that brainwashed, but I think that's kind of what the Bible's talking about, about being transformed. Because we can start seeing Jesus and blessings in everything. Does it, does it mean the world's not bad? No. Does it mean life isn't hard? No. But it means we can look at circumstances and see. So today when I was walking, I was just trying to think, okay, let me stop thinking about all the bad that's happened this month, and let me start thinking about all the good that's come out of it. And so I just started talking to myself again, because it's the expert opinion, and I started saying, okay, well, this this happened, and then this happened, and oh, wow, like, all of a sudden, people are starting to recognize Lighthouse Community Church in this community. Well, God, is kind of what we prayed for. I just didn't want it to happen this way, Right? Okay, God, well, then that happened, and then this happened, and okay, then this happened. Okay, I can kind of see your hand in that. And all of a sudden today, I started getting excited about what's happening because my brain went from all the bad that's happened, when there's a lot, to the good that's come out of that, right? And then so I just thought, okay, Lord, if I can train my brain to start looking for the good in all circumstances, right, then maybe we can start showing up like Jesus, because maybe I'll start seeing the positive inside of me and the Jesus inside of me. So I'm way off my notes. Let me get back to it. Okay. So the question is, are you controlling your thoughts or are they controlling you? The challenge for so many of us is that we haven't trained our brains. We live a lot of time as a prisoner of our thoughts. Second Corinthians 10.5, you know the scripture well, it says this. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, that's easy to quote, hard to do, right? Those thoughts are supposed to be my prisoner. 
when those thoughts come, I'm supposed to take that prisoner. I'm supposed to, I'm not supposed to be their prisoner. And think about it like this. When we start dwelling on the bad, and the last four weeks have been a lot of bad, we start dwelling on that. All of a sudden, my thoughts take me prisoner. It's just the opposite of what God is telling, Jesus is telling us to do right here. All of a sudden, I'm living now in this prison of it's heavy, it's, it's a lot, it's exhausting, it's burdensome, it's, right? And then now I'm in this prison. Instead of me saying, you know what, not today, I'm going to put, oh, yeah, oh, you know what, that was bad. That, what happened Monday night was terrible, right? That was terrible. You know what, I'm going to put that thought in prison for a little while until it's ready to be released. You know, we're going we're gonna to have a trial. We're going to see what's really bad about that, right? And I'm going to put it in prison because we're not going to deal with that right now. I'm going to take it captive so that I can walk in victory and I can start looking for the black Mustangs. Where are they at, God? Okay, where are the blessings? I'm looking. Where are the blessings? What can, good can come out of this? I'm, where's the blessings, God? And I'm going to start looking for that. And I think if we can, I'm, t- I'm telling you all that because I'm, I'm living this, okay? This is why it's a little hard for me to teach tonight because I don't have it yet. It's much easier for me to teach something that I'm doing and telling y'all how to do it, but I'm not here. I'm, he, I'm getting here, okay? And so working with, my, working with my head here. Those thoughts are supposed to be my prison. I'm not supposed to be theirs. But what happens is oftentimes instead of being transformed, I'm being conformed to the image of the world because I don't actually take control of my thoughts. I don't even know what I'm supposed to, I don't even know that I'm supposed to take control of or what thoughts to take control of. What we often do is keep our brains busy with stuff that we don't actually have to think about. And so I'm just, and I thought about this. So what I did, what I did, if I'm just going to be real open and honest, is I, I said, you know what, we're just going to get away. And we're just going to go and we, we only, we like uh, the show West Wing. Have you ever seen that? Have ever seen that? West Wing? It's a the presidential show and, okay. So we like that. It's on Netflix. We only watch that when we camp in. So that's our camping show. That we, and so it's just, it's a happy place for us, right? Because we are a camper, and we, we don't watch it at home because that's our camping, so we only watch it. So I said, Mo, we're going to get out there, we're going to fish, and we're going to watch West Wing. Not that West Wing or fishing is bad, but what I'm doing is trying to fill my brain with all kinds of stuff that I don't have to think. Instead of saying, wait a minute, I'm in control. I can put those thoughts in prison. I can take the thoughts that I want and start looking for the good. And then if I watch Wesley, I can watch it with a clear mind and not try to numb something up here. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's what I do. But listen, think about what other people do to numb the thoughts. They may turn to alcohol. They may turn to, well, I just, there's all kinds of stuff out there we could turn to, right? But they can turn to instead of taking the thoughts captive. And we have got to be the example, I think, so that people can see, man, there was a community, there was a church who really went through the storms of life, not we, that we didn't ignore what happened, but that we went through it looking like Jesus. Maybe we can offer hope to someone because we're doing it. I'm not saying y'all are not doing it. I'm just saying I'm having trouble with this this week. Okay. So what needs to happen is that our brains need to be transformed because right now it's conformed to the world. These, circumstance, these circumstances of things that happen is telling my brain what to think instead of me saying, what should I think? How, how you feel is not how you are. So listen to that. How you feel is not how you are. I'm telling myself that. How I feel is not how I am. And how I feel is not who I am. 
Well, that's important too. How I feel is not who I am. How I feel is not where what I am. Okay. Feelings, although real, you've heard me say this before, are often not true. These are great servant. Feelings are can be great are great servants, but miserable masters. Allowing my mind to generate through thoughts is dangerous. Example: I feel so bad. So let me have some thoughts about how bad I feel about what's happened, right? Or how about I feel so bad? So let's have some thoughts to see what God thinks about what's happening, right? It's totally different. So today, when I started trying to transform that, I just said, "Okay, God, there's these thoughts in my mind of everything that's happened. That's just if you want, guys, you want to know the truth. The truth is, bad things have happened, and I don't have an answer for them, and it makes us feel powerless. And the truth is, I am powerless to that, but I don't like being powerless. But then when I think, wait, the Jesus inside of me is not powerless, and there is an answer, and there is hope, and let me start walking in that." It changes everything. And we have to really be careful when life happens. Like, listen, this was this happened to our community, but sometimes they happen to us personally. And we walk through that. And we have to know that. I want you, when you walk through life circumstances, to remember this, see this image. I'm looking in a mirror. Who do I see? And who's telling me what I see? Because that's important, too. Or is, are you letting other people tell you who you are? Are you letting even yourself tell you who you are? Because we can't trust our mind, right? We have to let God tell us who we are. And once we can speak to ourselves through God, then we can begin to tell ourselves who we are, right? But we have to start seeing Jesus through the circumstances. Okay. So, is that good? Everybody getting something? I'm trying. I'm, I'm getting victorious right here as I'm teaching. Okay. So, I thought this was interesting. So, we're going to turn to Joshua chapter, I made up the turn, or the Donald's going to put it on the screen. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This was really interesting today because, you know, the whole inherit the land. That whole, I mean, there's so much, there's so many times in the Bible where God gives land on his inheritance, right? And the Lord told us three and a half years ago when I came, he, he spoke, spoke to me and said, when I asked for 20 years, he said, I'm going to give you Berwick as your inheritance. So, so all of that is prophetic, right? I know that. But the whole story of Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, you know, Moses has died. And, and I mean, like, I don't know how many times God says, Joshua, be strong and courageous. <laughs> and as I'm studying this today, I literally could hear the Holy Spirit saying, Chantel, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And you know what was funny? Joshua was trying to mourn Moses. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, here I am trying to mourn my whole community, right? And God's saying, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And he says that to Joshua over and over again. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Because I'm about to give you the land, right? Now, don't think it's going to come without a fight, because I did. It's not. It is not. Hello, February. Okay. So, let's look at verse 8, though. After God's saying, Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Okay, he's telling that. Verse 8 says this. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. God, that's what I'm not doing. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Oh, my gosh. When I read that today, I was like, okay, first of all, I'm not having God, the God's thoughts, right? Which probably Joshua wasn't either. I'm thinking Joshua might have been in the same boat. It was his community. They lost a leader. It was tragic. It was hard. They lost a leader with the plan, Right? 
And so now they were walking into the territory without the plan. And God keeps saying, Joshua, you know what else God said? Okay, my servant Moses is dead, now get up and do something, right? <laughs> I was thinking, can we just be, can we be sad for a little bit longer? And I really felt like him saying today, no. There's a community waiting, and there's an Atlanta inherit. Be strong and courageous. Get up and teach tonight. Okay, that was for me. Get up and teach tonight because we're going to take this land. And we're going to fight our way to victory. And so, and I, then I read this, and God has given us the recipe right here that I've missed. This is the recipe right here. He says this. Look at verse 8 again. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. It can't be on your lips until it's first in your mind, guys. It cannot be. We have to first think it, then we say it. Some people say stuff before they think it. It never comes out good. So we have to think it and then say it. That means you actually have to open the Word of God and get, it in, get the Word of God into you, right? And so then we say it. So he says, meditate on this book. Let it be on your lips. Uh, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful. Ha ha, because you know what? I got myself in a little place where I wasn't being careful. And some of that hurt was starting to come out of my mouth, which is why I needed to go to the water, <laughs> because I wasn't a nice person. I was, I was having some thoughts that weren't real godly, right? And so, and you want the truth? It was with religious people, but I'm going to go there tonight. Okay. So, okay, let's move on. I'm sorry, Lord, I'm trying. <laughs> then you will be prosperous and successful. Look what God is doing. He's making Joshua successful. If you meditate on my word, Think about my word. Talk about my word and do what my word says. Then I will make your way successful. One of the many words for the word meditate, let's go back, meditate on this. The word meditate is the same root word as the word growl. This is interesting. So if we hop on over to Isaiah 31, verse 4, listen to this. This is what the Lord says to me. As a lion growls, a great lion over its prey. I just want to use that part right there. The word growls where there is the same root word as the word meditate in Joshua. Biblical meditation is filling my mind with God thoughts aggressively like a lion growling or how about this roaring over its prey. I'm aggressively thinking about God's word like as if my very Pray, my very food, my very life source depended on it. I'm aggressively thinking about God's word and thinking, be strong and courageous. That's right, be strong and courageous. Nothing's going to stand in my way, God. You told us that we're going to do this. You told us, and I'm going to give you some stuff at the end that God showed me some promises that we're going to stand on. The, the, so, the, so the biblical medication is filling my mind with God thoughts, aggressively like a lion growling over its prey. So I'm aggressively proactive taking bad thoughts captive. I feel like I need a badge and some handcuffs. I'm going to take those thoughts captive and I'm going to lock them up. Right? They're not going free. Right? I'm going to take bad thoughts captive and filling my thoughts as God thinks. I'm in charge of my mind. My mind is not in charge of me. And I begin to tell my mind what we will be thinking on today. I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to say, here's what we're going to think on today. Matter of fact, from Missionettes, we're going to think on whatsoever things are true and lovely and pure and praiseworthy and have a good report. Think on these things. Or is that found that Missionette teacher? We don't know yet. <laughs> Philippians, okay. I learned that Missionettes way back in the day. All my Missionette teachers are in class, okay. But we're going to think on things like that. 
And I begin to tell my mind, here's what we're thinking on today. This is how we transform our mind. Send those bad thoughts to prison. Meditate on God's word. So what kind of things are we meditating on? We're going to pick up on this again next week and probably the next week, too, because we're going to talk about a couple of things that I thought that are really good that goes with this. But here's, what, here's some things we're going to think on. Here's some things I'm going to think on, so in case you want to know. Joshua 1 and 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Guys, here's the deal. Joshua had just lost Moses. He was mourning. The whole community of Israel was mourning. All the Israelites, they didn't know what they were going to do. They lost, and God says, okay, it's time to move on, right? We're going to get ready for battle here. I need you to be strong and courageous. That's my time. i got five minutes. <laughs> be strong and courageous, right? And he says this. I love this. This is what we're going to stand on. Do not be afraid of what's, what's happening around. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I mean, how many, you don't have to raise your hand, I raise mine, but if you want to raise your hand, how many has been a little bit discouraged these last four weeks? I've been like, God, I don't even know what else, we, what, what is going on? I don't know what's going on, but here's what I know. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous, for the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Wherever we go, we're going to inherit this land, and God's coming with us, right? So that's what I'm going to think on. How about this one? Isaiah 40, 31. Brother Donald, are you keeping up with me? Okay, good. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. <laughs> My strength needed renewing today. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There was no run left in me yesterday. I'm just telling you. I was, And I said, you know what? I'm going to think on these things. They that wait upon the Lord. And that doesn't mean sit still and do nothing, although that may be what you need to do. But what that means is we're going to serve the Lord. As a waiter waits on you and says, can I get you some more water? Are we gonna, God, what can I get you? Can I get you some more praise? Can we praise you a little bit more, God? I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to do good works. We're going to talk about that next week. I'm going to do good works that he created for me to do while I am getting strength, right? So we're going to hold on to that promise. Next thing we're going to talk about is Jeremiah 29, 11. Boy, this is a good one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Maybe a little bit different because I memorized it wrong, but I memorized a different version. But listen, as we inherit the land, we are going to know that God has good plans for us. For I know the plans I have for you. This whole month wasn't part of my plan. Not one single thing that happened was part of my plan. Not one thing. But you know what I'm going to think on? I'm going to look for God's plans because he says his plans are good and they're going to prosper. And we're going to hold on to that, right? Because he knows the plans. I don't need to. Thank you, Lord, right? Thank you, Lord. Okay, how about Matthew 6, 33? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. I don't even know what these things are, but I'm thinking it's all the things that our heart desires. And that may change once we start seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. When you think of righteousness, think of right standing with God. I'm going to I'm going to seek things that put me in right standing with God. And when I start seeking that, then my desires will begin to line up with him. And then all of my desires will come because I'm seeking righteousness. I'm seeking being in right standing with God. Okay, the next one. I know my time's getting short. Romans 8.28. For we know that all the, for we know that for those who love God, all things work together. That's a, okay. Let me do this one. Know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Listen to this. Sometimes life doesn't turn out the way we thought it would. Yes. 
At times, circumstances outside of our control enter our life and puts us in a place of struggle or pain. Even bad things happen to the people of God. But Paul wrote, all things work together for good. Whatever the enemy meant for evil, God's love and power is enough to turn around for good. We're going to stand on that promise. God, I don't know what this craziness is, but here's what I do know. I'm going to look for your good, and I'm going to stand your good because I'm looking for it. I'm going to look for the black Mustang, and I'm going to find it. I'm going to find the good. I'm going to find it out there, right? I'm going to stand on that. I'm going to tell my mind today, we're finding the good. I don't know where, but we're going to find the good today, right? We're going to take those other thoughts captive. How about this one? Two more. 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. It may be a little bit different. So no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. The promises are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. Listen to this. Paul reminds us that the promises of God are rock solid. If God said something, it will come to pass. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and believe him at his word. God isn't a man. His promises are guaranteed. God's not going to lie. He promised us this. He's not going to lie. He didn't promise that would be easy. Even in my mind, I thought it would. He didn't promise that, but he promises that, right? And we're going to be strong and courageous, and we're going to inherit the land. All right, last one, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we rely on our strength, we fall short. Well, and that's kind of, if I'm honest, that's probably what happened. One thing after another thing after another thing, I started relying on my own strength, right? And we cannot do that. At least I can't. Maybe you can. I can't. Like, we have to rely on Christ's strength. So listen to this. When we rely on our strength, we fall short. If we rely on God, he will give us his strength and power to overcome this world. His word is a promise to us that we can do all things through him. So guys, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take these promises, and I'm going to tell myself this every morning, and I'm going to say thoughts. Here's what we're looking for today. And I'm going to tell you what we're going to think, and we're going to be victorious. God's promises, he's promised us some of this stuff, and it's yes. He said his promises are yes. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to love this world, and we're going to show up, and we're going to show the world what Jesus looks like. Right? Can there be a church that would say, you know what, in spite of terrible things that have happened, again and again and again, there is a church that stands up and that loves each other. By the way, do you realize that love is the greatest weapon we have against the enemy? The greatest thing we have against the enemy. Can we just love? Can we keep those thoughts pure? You're going to hear some things over the next couple of weeks that's going to break your heart. We're going to love through that, right? We're going to be a community that's going to love. We're not going to speak naught or evil. We're going to stand on God's promises, and what comes out of our mouth will be Jesus. Can we do that? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for transforming my mind. God, I ask right now that as you transform my mind, you begin to transfer the, the mind of every person that calls LCC Berwick their home. God, I ask right now that we will no longer be conformed to this world, but we will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God, and we, we rely on you. God, we're going to be strong and courageous because you're with us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.